Jesus, thank you so much. Um, what I'll just go ahead and do is, um, you, you may be seated, because um, I might just expound on some things prior to getting into the scripture. You know, it's such an honor to be uh, up here. I want to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's such an honor to feel confirmed by the Lord when you're going to preach. And I just want to let you know, um, you know, I just I felt the Lord, you know, touching me during these songs, uh, just si singing out that I'm desperate for you. That's definitely the thing that's on my heart, and that's what I wanted to share tonight. Um, please excuse me if I'm not my normal, vibrant self. You might not get the preacher voice tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Am I right? <laughs> um, if you guys might have noticed uh, this suit here, very nice suit, it's a great suit. Uh, if you've seen it before, it's actually Brother Justin's. So he was kind enough to give it to me. Kindly enough, he gave me his literal physical mantle. But I'm sorry to inform you, his anointing did not come with it. So please bear with me nonetheless. Um, I want to go ahead and jump into uh, some scriptures for a few minutes here. I want to bring us to the story of the woman at the well. And this is from John 4, 10 through 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto, her, or unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou? Thou that living water, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Thank you, thank you guys. You may be seated. This is something uh, that is just, just overpowering my heart. Um, I just want to give you this simple statement uh, really quickly. Is uh, I remember the first time I was ever asked to preach at a youth, um, youth a little, little sermon in a youth group at my old church. First time formally being on the stage, and, you know, I, I had been studying the scripture for some time, and I was very serious about it. Um, you know, I was a little, I was especially zealous, especially when I was younger, to attend all the Bible studies and to really think intently on all the things about scripture. And so, the first time I was asked to preach, I was all revved up, and the word that came to me that I could not get away from was so basic. That was all that was on my heart, and it, and it was about love, and it was really the fundamentals, if you will, and what's so interesting is, so I kept telling myself, Brad, this is so basic, is it going to reach anybody, is it going to help anybody, it's so basic, and I couldn't get away from it, though, and uh, the week before I was going to end up going to the youth group, on a Wednesday that week before, we had a youth rally, and the theme of the youth rally was basic. And God just has those silly ways of confirming to you that you're in his will. You know, and so when I'm honored to be up here, it is no, it is no thing of mine that I've generated or, or some task that I feel like I can do. I just simply hope and believe that God can meet us here and speak to us. And I definitely felt confirmed, although my word feels maybe simple or maybe not, you know, all that expounding, I just felt that definitely the Lord is here, and he definitely wants to communicate uh, this thought. 
So we're going to jump over to Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46. Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he has and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of a great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And the theme that I'm trying to get after you guys tonight, and the thing that is on my heart, is to know what is that pearl? And what is the living water that Jesus spoke of? And what is that field with the treasure? And I believe um, definitely, you know, that is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is God being inside of you. It's God being able to communicate with you. It's God being able to communicate the very things that you want to tell him about, the very things that are bothering your heart, the very things that are on your mind. And uh, so what I want to just uh, let you guys a little little in on is uh, when I was raised, I was um, in the Boy Scouts. I don't know if anybody's ever been in the Boy Scouts in here. You got one, you got two. Here we go. A few more. All right. All right, Girl Scouts, all right. Woo, woo. Uh, I, had a, I was very blessed in the Boy Scouts because our troop was awesome. Every month, camping trip, every month. I don't, you know, looking back as an adult, like arranging that to happen, that took a lot of effort. A lot of parents involved, a lot of chaperones, a lot of money, you know, a lot of organizing. And I was very blessed to travel the United States. I got to sleep on the Yorktown aircraft carrier which was awesome, right? I got to sleep in the aircraft carrier on one of our trips. Like, how cool is that? I got to uh, go spelunking in caves. I got to go down rivers. You know, one of my one of my favorite things to mention is, you know, I've I've touched the clay of Georgia, and I've touched the clay of North Carolina, right? Like, I've been in there, okay? Like, I know what's going on. And I've also been very blessed. Um, again, I hope that you guys will understand that any favor that has been bestowed upon me, I do humbly believe it is from the glory of God. It's just God showing himself in ways that maybe I can share with somebody else. And when I was a senior, I declined to go on my, um, on my uh, senior trip with the whole class. There are a few reasons involved, but I just didn't feel like my heart was there. Um, I didn't want to spend the money on the cruise. Um, some of my fr- classmates were let down, and to this day, they probably would still you know, be angry with me that I didn't go, but I was very blessed that besides declining to go to that, I had another good friend of mine who invited me to go to Costa Rica, who was in my graduating class. His, he called him coach. It was like his, like, father figure, one of his father figures in his life, um, offered to pay for him and two of his friends for free to go to Costa Rica Flights included, hotels included, activities included, and dinners included. So the only thing we had to pay for was like lunch or breakfast, but most of those were provided by the hotels anyway. And we did pay for like a couple of extra activities just because we saved our some money and we wanted to do some extra stuff. And so besides that too, I was very blessed by other people around me giving me um, gifts to help me go on mission trips. I've been able to go to um, also South Africa, I've been able to go to Europe. Um, and in, in all these situations, you would really not believe, including the Boy Scouts, the incredible things I have been just so blessed to experience. With my hands in the clay from catching tuna in Costa Rica, to splunking in caves, to seeing lions in a safari, to uh, being able to be on the hills of Scotland and just seeing the castles and things, and all these things are amazing to me, and they're just so beautiful. But I just want to let you know, if you're curious at all about God, that his presence is better than all of those things. 
And if you put me on a lie detector right now, you would know for sure. Brother Brad is serious when he says that the presence of God is better than any of the trips he's ever been on, any of the privileges he's ever experienced. That's why that many times when we go to come to church, I truly am in love with church. I truly am in love with praising God and being in his presence. And that inspires me and convicts me to be a better person. I, uh, I am definitely not, <laughs> by myself, I am definitely not, um, you know, any great person. Uh, the best character qualities in me, in fact, the very flesh that I am made of all comes from the Lord. And uh, so just know if there's anything I can get you to be curious about tonight, to be diving into tonight, is to chase after that pearl. Chase after that living water because it is so real. It is so real. It's realer than the air you breathe. And so I want to leave you guys with a few other verses here, which is um, Psalms 27.4. Psalms 24 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to choir in his temple. Nothing rings truer to this than me, or to, than this to me. I've told you all many times, maybe, um, especially my youth at least, uh, my favorite scripture that I love to mention, it's Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. And that is how the epitome of my life feels, is that I just simply called upon God, and he showed me things that I've never been able to experience on my own. And so the last thought I will leave you with is, um, or the last two scriptures, and then I'm, I'm closing. It was Psalms 34:10. Uh, it's 34, 8 through 10. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Man, what a powerful, powerful scripture. And the last scripture that I told you I'd mention is from uh, Luke 8.46, which is just the simple reminder of the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And in Luke 8, 46, it says, But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. I just want to encourage you that if you make it a point to search after God, if you make it a point to taste and see that he is good, you will be blown away by the experience. If you just get a hold of his garment, then you can be healed of any ailment. So please, I just want to encourage you, if you've ever been hesitant at all, just throw it out. Throw out hesitation. Get serious with the Lord and pray with all of your heart and all of your might because he rewards those that diligently seek him. So thank you for the time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brad, for that word. Amen. It is... Uh, a pearl of great price, and as Jesus says, uh, we have to give him our whole heart, leave nothing behind, and so if, which can translate into buying the whole field, selling everything you have to buy that, and so there's no going back after that. After you sell everything you have, give everything you have to God, what else you got to go back to, right? right? Amen, and so we know that God is there, and he blesses his people, and as long as you stick close to God, you have no desire to go back. In fact, you desire more of Him and to draw closer to Him, and so that way this world gets further and further from you, further and further from your desires, amen, and uh, closer to heaven, amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to go to finish up uh, tonight with part five of the series we've been talking about, Declared and Delivered. 
The text that we've been drawing from from this text for, for this series is Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verse 11. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Aren't you thankful that the word of God accomplishes what it is sent to do and what is done in your life? Amen, because it was declared some point long before you and I came along about what it's going to do. And we are, uh, I don't want to say we're a finishing work, but we are in the progress of uh, salvation and being uh, restored and sanctified. And so we see the actual word of God performing in our life. Amen. And hopefully we can see that physically uh, in a mirror of ourselves from uh, now until when years ago or however long it's been since we came to Christ, but that we've matured in Christ and drawn closer to him. Hopefully we look a little bit more like him, uh, his holiness and his righteousness that covers us, that should make us more like him. And time after time, example after example, we witness and we see the word of God say something and things happen. Events build and unfold, and sure enough, something happens just as Scripture declared it to be. Even down to the tiniest detail, some of these things happen according to exactly how the Word of God says. And it's easy to believe uh, as the words are freshly spoken and when the ink on the page hasn't dried yet, that those moments, are it's easy to reach up and grab a hold of that and say, yes, I believe it. Sure, I believe that can happen. I, I have faith for that. It's just been declared. The word is fresh and the, the bread is fresh out of the oven and the aroma is still strong. And your goosebumps haven't went to bed yet from the anointing that you felt in his presence. Those moments we can easily stand up and say, yes, I believe for that, and I, I proclaim that, and I'm going to hold on to that. Sure, we can believe it in those moments. But what happens when a day goes by and nothing happens? What about a week and we're still waiting with expectancy and nothing has happened yet? The word was declared and nothing yet. What about a month or a year passes or maybe a decade or however long it is? Still, the word that was spoken hasn't returned yet. It is still out there somewhere working its way to being accomplished. That is where the real battle is over your faith. Is in between the, it's in the between the valleys and in between these times and seasons in your lives. From passing from one mountaintop where God speaks to you, but you have to pass through the valley to get to the next mountaintop in order to see that come to pass. It, it, it makes no sense in asking if the mountain is going to be there. Sometimes we uh, doubt and, and, and disbelief comes in and we start asking ourselves, is the mountain even really over there? It makes no sense to ask that question. Oh, the mountain is going to be there. It's just a matter or not, are you going to be on the mountaintop or not? Are you going to be able to pass through the valley or are you going to get lost somewhere in a place of discouragement and disbelief in the valley? And so when the word of God is declared, it's going to be there. It's going to be done. It's not going to return void. But will you be able to grab a hold of it with your faith? And hold on to it until it is fulfilled in your life. That's the real question. And last week we witnessed something fascinating. How the words of Moses when he spoke to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 29. To the casual observer, these words can seem to be just a simple farewell speech. But as it would turn out that the words, the last words that Moses spoken were were prophetic because uh, 3,400 years later, that event happened just like Moses declared it would. 
and how a stranger would come from a distant land and would come and describe Israel's desolation. And sure enough, it just so happened that in the year 1867, a stranger by the name of Mark Twain just happened to decide, hey, I'm going to go to the Holy Land and I'm going to write about everything I see. And sure enough, he described the desolation of the land and how nothing was growing there. And that event combined with the survey that was taking place in Jerusalem at the same time was fascinating how the two men were there uh, doing different things, but yet both fulfilling prophecy, both fulfilling the scripture that was spoken. And in the year 1867, the year where things just started happening in Jerusalem, things started to stir up on the prophetic realm, and we, we see, we start to see the Word of God actively working in 1867, and so let's add some more scriptures into this crockpot and see if anything else happens to the fulfillment of God's Word. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Sabbath year. And how every seven years God instituted that the land should have its rest from the planting. And while as we learned that Israel did not keep this commandment from God, uh, they didn't think it was all that important and we know that God means business. And so as it turns out, one of the main reasons why God allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed and the people of God to be carried off as captives in 586 B.C. was, as God said, as we talked about, so that the land could enjoy her Sabbaths. Because they were not keeping the, land, the law of God and they were not allowing the, law to, the land to rest in the Sabbath year. And so God says, I'll kick you out so that the land can have its Sabbaths. And so if the Sabbath year was that critical... If it was that important to God, something that happened every seven years was that important. Can you imagine the importance and significance of an event that happened every 50 years? If every seven years got them kicked out, imagine an event that happened every 50 years. And so every seven Sabbath years, seven times seven is 49 Every seven Sabbath years, the Bible says, in the 50th year would be called the year of Jubilee, the year of release, the year of restoration, the year of Jubilee. And, and if you thought that the Sabbath year was profound enough, wait till the year of Jubilee happened because it literally changed everything. The year of Jubilee would change everything. Everything was restored to its original owner and its original purpose. It didn't matter what had happened along the way. Uh, once the year of Jubilee came, it was all restored back to its original state. If in the second year, hard times fell on you and your family and you had to sell your house and you had to sell your land... Uh, in order to pay for medical bills or whatever happened, whatever came up, guess what? In the year of Jubilee, you got your house back and you got your land back. It had to be given back to you. That was written into God's law there, the year of Jubilee. It was the law. It was God's law. It didn't matter if your property had been bought and sold 35 times within this 50-year period once that trumpet sounded, you could march back to your home and throw the people out because all things were restored according to the Jubilee year. That's how God designed it. It's, it's, it's fascinating because we don't live by that. and uh, Because if Israel was to have this land forever, as, as God said, this is your land forever. This land is your land forever, and if you are to be the sole owners of it, the only way to keep it and to make sure it kept in the family was every 50 years, things are to reset and return and restore to the original owners, which will always be the Jews. It didn't matter if foreigners bought it. It didn't matter if China came in and bought the land up. 
50 years, the, the jubilee year, according to the law, it was to be brought back and given back to the original tribe or the family that owned it because it was the cape, keeping the family because God said, this is your land forever. That's the only way it's going to get back to the original owners. And so every 50 years, there was a great reset. Debts were settled, balances and credits were cleaned up, relationships were restored, and, and actually everything was priced out according to the year of Jubilee. If there was uh, seven years until the year of Jubilee, everybody knew that. And so the house that, that you're, you're getting ready to buy and there's seven years left, guess what? You only get your house, you only get in that house for seven years. And so you're not paying hundred grand for it, you're paying 20000 bucks for it because after the year of Jubilee, uh, you're out of there. So basically, it's, a, it's almost a lease, a short-term lease for everything, for the land, because that had to be given back to the original people. And so things were settled. This was a good thing for Israel that God saw fit to command them to do and obey. And now, as great as that sounds, it really only works if it is actually obeyed. And so if Israel had trouble keeping the Sabbath year, if they couldn't keep the seventh year, if they wouldn't shut down every seven years and let the land rest, what are the chances that every 50 years that they would give properties back? What are the, year, what are the chances that they would say, oh, yeah, the year of Jubilee, you get everything back. Uh, I, get, uh, I, got, I have nothing. All my assets are now given back to everybody. I, I own no assets and, uh, uh, because they're given back. What are the chances that actually happened? It probably didn't happen too often because if, you are, if you're going to be faithful over the little things, uh, then you can handle the bigger things. If you're not faithful over the little things, you're not going to handle the big things. And so if Israel was not faithful every seven years uh, for the Sabbath year, they surely were not faithful enough to keep the Jubilee year, which was uh, uh, enormous compared to uh, the Sabbath year. And so... Um, let me just pause here for a second. If, if we are bombarding heaven with our great big prayer request, and, and I'm not against that, we need to have those, Lord knows we have our lists. But if we are asking for the big things in life to come to pass in our day, in our life, but if we're not doing the little things, how is that supposed to work out? If we can't be faithful over the little stuff like praying and reading the word and fasting, if we struggle doing those little things in God's eyes, God help us if we ever get the big prayer request ever answered and they get dumped on us. Uh, we all pray for revival and we know that definition might be a little bit different in all of our minds, but if revival means an influx of people Coming into this church, that would seem like a big thing, and we should be praying for it and nonstop believing for it and expecting revival to come. But if we're not ready for it, can we handle it? The way to tell if we're ready for revival is how we handle one visitor that comes through the door. If we, if we let them sit there alone, a stranger, uncomfortable, while we chat with our friends and while that we see three times a week, or, or we, do we go and make them feel welcome and say, welcome to the house of God, so glad you're here. How we, how, if we're faithful over the little things, God's going to bless us with the big things. And so how visitors and guests come to the church is God's watching. How are you going to treat the little things in your life? And if you can do that good, then I know you're ready for the big things. And so uh, I know that we are praying for revival, but every day, every service, uh, a seed of revival can be walking through those doors. And that we're praying for. I know we might be expecting a tidal wave, but it starts with a little seed. It starts with one person. It starts with one little family that comes to the door. And so we have to make sure that we're being faithful over the little things that God gives us so that we can be ready for the big things. And so if Israel would have kept the Sabbath year and praised him in that year, then they would have experienced the power and deliverance and restoration in the year of Jubilee. The God would really, really bless them and open up their minds and touch their lives had they uh, were able to keep those years. But Psalms 118.24 says, 
This is the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. How many are grateful for the day God has made, that we rejoice in this day? How can you rejoice and be glad when you don't know how the day is going to unfold? We know he's made the day. He's probably written, wrote that in the morning just after the sun came up. This is the day God has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. How can you rejoice and be glad when you don't know what's going to happen in 12, 6, 12 hours? Uh, I, I'm going to be uh, faithful in the little things. It doesn't matter how it unfolds. It doesn't matter what happens throughout the day. I'm choosing to rejoice in God. I'm choosing to give Him praise no matter what happens throughout the day because if I rejoice today in the little things, uh, then I'll be rejoicing tomorrow and the next day after that. If I, if I choose today to be glad, no matter what happens, I will be glad tomorrow when if God gives us tomorrow and the next day, I'm here to tell you that it begins with the little things. Just giving God praise for the day can start the, the, the revival that happens in your life. Your jubilee can begin today. Your deliverance begins now. Your restoration can start today with the little things by just giving God praise. No matter what happens. Because God is watching the little things to see if we can handle the little things because the greater things are still yet to come. And so of 1867, it appears to be a year that prophecy was fulfilled and a stirring took place in Jerusalem, maybe on God's calendar. Maybe on God's calendar, the year 1867 was a year of jubilee because we saw amazing things happen. And maybe God was doing some restoring and restoration in the land. But how can we find out if indeed 1867 was a year of jubilee? If it was, then we would have to search 50 years, right? Because that's what the Word of God says. And if the Word's going to go forth and accomplish it, we have to trust the year 50 years what God said. And so uh, if 1867 is a year of jubilee, then we, we would search 50 years before and 50 years after if anything pops up in, you know, our modern-day search ability. Uh, this, of course, would only be worth looking into if we actually believe the Word of God and that it says what it says and it's going to accomplish what it is sent to do. And so if the year of Jubilee doesn't happen every 50 years, then what's the point of searching? So either it does or it doesn't. Uh, so I, I did a search for Jerusalem, 1817. Uh, nothing really came up. There's not much happening in the world, I guess, in 1817. And so we'll go forward in uh, 50 years forward. Uh, 1917, could that be a year of Jubilee? Um, could that be a year of restoration? Could that be a year where land was given back to the people of Israel? Well, something did happen in 1917, believe it or not, concerning Israel. The British government, through what is known as the, the Balfour Declaration, on November 2nd, 1917, just so happened to say this. His Majesty's government view and favor the establishment in Palestine, a national home for the Jewish people. What are the chances that in 1917 the world superpower would say, we want the Jewish people to return to Israel and we want them to have a national home there? They're the world superpower and so whatever treaties, whatever thing they said, that, that's what happened. And so if Britain wanted... Palestine to be the land where Jews can go and build a home, guess what? That's what happened. And, and so in 1917, uh, we see the world superpower saying Palestine, the land of Israel, is, should be the home of the Jews. And so uh, why, how did this happen? What are the coincidences? Why, 
Well, maybe because the Word of God says that something has to happen every 50 years, whether you like it or not, or whether you believe in the Bible or not. Uh, the Jubilee years happened every 50 years. And it doesn't matter if the present world doesn't care for the Bible. 50 years is 50 years. And if God declared it, it's going to happen. And so we discovered two major events, restoration events, happened 50 years apart, 1867. 1917. And so what are the odds? We're, gonna, we're going up. We're getting closer to us. What are the odds that something would happen in 1967, 50 years from 1917, if we're talking about years of jubilee, years of restoration? But before we reach 1967, we must stop in uh, 1948 because May 14th, 1948, is when Israel was declared its own independent nation. That's, that's a fascinating uh, uh, event there. A nation that disappeared some 2,000 years ago has now been restored in 1948. Just came out, of, came out of nowhere and now they're back again. But as great as, and as historic as this event was, that Israel was a nation again, uh, there was something missing. If you could put up that picture, please. I don't know if you can see it or not, but this is the, the map of Palestine at that time. Blue is the, uh, the part that Israel was given. The orangish, tannish color, orange color over here, is where the Arabs still occupied. So Israel was declared a nation with that. They owned all that, that territory. But as you can see... Something is missing. Well, lots of things are missing from that little piece there. Lots of parts of land. And so uh, it had to share those parts with the Arabs, including right in the middle is Jerusalem. They didn't have Jerusalem. It wasn't, it wasn't given to them at this time in this treaty. Uh, and so great progress was made in 1948. But Israel, But is Israel really a nation without the city of David? Without Jerusalem under their control, are they really uh, a nation? But something happened in 1967, a hundred years after the stranger showed up, two jubilees after the surveys of Jerusalem had been completed. In June of 1967, Israel went to war with Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, and Lebanon. Israel went to war with five nations. They were, they were outnumbered two, more than two to one. They didn't have, they were, they were, uh, had the smallest army. They were outnumbered. The odds were against Israel. There was nothing in Israel's favor. But Israel had been in spots like this before. Where they've been outnumbered in times past. Where the armies of their enemies stretched as far as the eyes can see. And what these five Arab nations didn't know was Israel had God on their side. And still, God was still working with them. And Israel had fought these very people before, thousands of years ago. And what happened back then is Israel annihilated them because God fought for them and helped them deliver them into their hands and destroy their enemies. Well, in 1967... God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He doesn't change. And, and now His people are facing the impossible odds. And so what does God do? God goes down and God shows up with His people, and He fights against the enemies of His people. And the end result is, in six days it was all over. Six days it was all over. Israel mopped the desert floor with these five nations. Destroy them all. And guess what? Israel was now, or Jerusalem was now restored to the control of the Jewish people. The ancient land had been fully restored 
to Jerusalem in 1867. Talk about a year of jubilee. Talk about a year of restoration where things are brought back to the original owners. Talk about a reason to rejoice. A hundred years since this started, things started really happening, being put together. And we can see it seems like every 50 years things are starting to happen. And soon enough, Israel is now back to a nation that has all the land under its control in the year 1867, or 1967. Musicians, if you would come. The word of God went forth and did not return void. And when a period of time is attached to it, the word of God says 50 years, well, we'll see about those 50 years, well... Yeah, we have. We have. We've seen 1867, 1917, and 1967. Every 50 years, events describing like something of a jubilee in year took place. 1860, or 1967, that was 53 years ago, which means if the word of God is true, then another jubilee year has already occurred. If we believe what the word of God says and it does what it says it's going to do. And so that would bring us to the year 2017. So much for that 2,000 year old scripture because all of us are alive to witness the word of God being fulfilled right before our very eyes. The Jubilean year of 2017 which I believe is uh, that the way this world is looking uh, 2017 is probably the last jubilee year, um, as we know it. But we'll see. We'll see really soon what Jesus does in this thousand-year millennial reign. Uh, but I, I'm not thinking we will be around 2067. But I could be wrong. So what happened in 2017? Well, in 1967, all of its land was restored. It got Jerusalem back, the ancient city back. Uh, but its capital city was not Jerusalem. The capital of Israel, as recognized by the world, was Tel Aviv, was the, was the capital of Israel all this time. Which is fine, you need to have a capital city, but biblically, according to the word of God, Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. And so something has to happen. Uh, Jerusalem needs to become Israel's capital because the word of God says it. doesn't matter how much time has passed. If that's what it says, that's what it says. So if you stand with me tonight, on December 6th, 2017, 50 years later, what are the odds? President Donald Trump officially declares Jerusalem as Israel's capital and says we're moving our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem because that we put our, our embassies in the capital and so in 2017 Donald Trump signed it in and he says we're moving our embassy to Jerusalem because that is the capital of Israel all of the 14 members of the United Nations Security Council condemned the United States condemned us for doing this and then if that wasn't shameful enough a resolution in the United Nations General Assembly when all the nations get together passed uh, a resolution passed it was the voted 128 to 9 also condemning the United States 128 nations gathered together and says we condemn you for doing this for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And you remember what we did. We started taking names, and we said, we're building it anyways. I don't care what you say. I don't know if, if, if Donald Trump realized it or not. Hopefully he did. But the word of God declares that Jerusalem is the capital. And so if the word of God says it, it doesn't matter how many votes are against it. It doesn't matter how many people don't like it. It doesn't matter how many people uh, are against it. The word of God says it. And so it's going to happen no matter what. 
because it declared it was declared many many years ago that the Jerusalem is the eternal capital and the word of God is not going to return void it will accomplish what it is sent to do and so whether the world likes it or not God's word is going to be done it's up to you just to believe the word that's all it's all God's asking us to believe the word Believe the word. Have faith in the word of God. And so on May 14th, 2018, Israel's Independence Day, 70 years to the day, Israel became uh, an official nation in 1948. On that day, we opened up our embassy and we officially declared Jerusalem to be the capital. 70 years after they were declared a nation. Which is also an interesting number, 70. Because remember when Israel was taken captive into Babylon, how long were they held captive? 70 years. 70 years later, the nation of Israel was restored. And now today, and the day you and I are living, this is not just some ancient scriptures. We're seeing these things happen today. We just got to pay attention. We just got to pull our head out of the sand and look around and seeing the word of God actually happen. 70 years after Israel was revived, Jerusalem was officially restored as its capital. Talk about a reason to rejoice. Talk about believing in the word of God. It's going to happen. It's happening already. The word of God is happening. It's moving, it's restoring, it's reviving, it's healing. The Word of God is alive, and we need to believe it. We need to put our faith and our trust in that. Come on, as we sing tonight, let's just worship the Lord. We have many reasons to celebrate, but we can stand upon the Word of God. We have nothing to fear out there. No need to be afraid of what the world is going on. We have this. It's been proven to come to pass. We can stand upon that. Come on, let's worship the Lord tonight as we thank Him for His Word. Thank Him for what He's done in your life. The Word being fulfilled. Hallelujah, My Jesus. God is awesome. He can move Come on, He can mountains. move the mountains in your life. He be in the Come on, what does the Word of God say?
rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 If God's been working since 1867 and before to get these things in line and place, whatever happens here in our lifetime, we don't have to worry about it. God's already thought of it. He already knows the end from the beginning. And the word of God is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Uh, we know in the, in the Revelation talks about uh, the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist goes into the temple and declares to be God. Well, before Israel can build a temple, the capital has to be restored. They have to become a, they have to be a nation. They have to have all these things. And guess what? 2017 seems like the final piece of the puzzle was put in place. The only next thing is the, the rebuilding of the temple. And we're 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 close, folks. If you don't think these are the last days, it's it's scary how close it is if you're not ready for the Lord. Everybody was amazed uh, about China, how they uh, built up, they remember them building that hospital over there in like six days or whatever, however quick they build a hospital from scratch. You wait to see when Jerusalem, when the Jews get control of the Temple Mount, how quick they build that temple. I bet the piece is already sitting on the side ready to go. They just got to get the green light and that temple's going to be up in a, in, in, in a matter of days. They'll be offering those sacrifices back up to God. And I tell you, that's right around the corner, folks. Amen. Jerusalem is the declared capital now, uh, fulfilling prophecy. We are living in some fascinating times. Amen. And the greatest thing is, is we're going to see Jesus soon. Amen. Because the word of God says it. It's going to happen. Amen. God bless you.